Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Welcome to this week's episode of Start, Scale, Succeed. Today, I'm joined by Laura Nolan Horgan, founder of LNH Edit. And this is like a, a full 360. Laura and I chatted about two years ago, just before or just as she had kind of launched LNH Edit in episode nine. And we're going to chat more about how the business has grown. And I think a lot of people feature businesses as they're like that massive success story and they're 10 years in, but there's not many that feature and kind of catch up with founders as they're still growing as well. But this is definitely what we'll be chatting to Laura about today. And Laura, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I feel so honored to be back. No, and thank you so much for joining me from Greece as well on your holidays and fitting us in. I know, sure. Look, this is what it's all about, isn't it? Fitting things in like this. I know, balancing it, the juggle. Balancing, yeah. That's so it. some people may have listened to episode nine, but to give them a bit more background on your story, tell us a little bit about you and Ellen H. Edit. Yeah, so Ellen H. Edit is now two years old. I like to call it like a lifestyle brand in that, uh, as I explained previously, Ellen H. Edit, the name is my initials, Lauren Ellen Horgan. And the edit is basically an edit of all things I love. So primarily fashion and home, a um, few little accessories thrown in there, but the concept behind the business is that everything is slow fashion, slow interiors. We deal with artisans, flyers. We focus mainly, actually, it kind of switches. So we focus mainly on more so interiors for uh, the winter and uh, like tablescapes would be really big for us at events like Easter, Christmas, those sort of things. And then through the summer, the interiors kind of shrinks down a bit and fashion explodes. So that's kind of how the strategy works. And yeah, so it's an online business and yeah, it's just growing and it's uh, exciting and it's a juggling act. Uh, I'm a mum of three and the kids come first, but um, my previous background was uh, fashion and interiors. So I had plenty of experience and decided that I wanted to do my own thing that was going to work around my family. So that's where the idea came from. I didn't think it was actually Nicole and I, we spoke about this. I was like, I don't know if this is going to be possible, but I'm going to give it, give it a shot. And here I am two years later, still going. And I remember when we first talked and one of the things you were, you know, you're saying to me, oh, the kids come first. So I just wanted to be a slow and steady, you know, in your mind as well. But I don't think you realized it would be as quick a success as, and as do so well as it has done. So yeah. you often like we'll post on Instagram, all the parcels going out and everything like that. And it, it is a juggle. It's been, it's been a real whirlwind for you. How has it grown since you've started? I know you're only two years in, but it has grown quite a bit already. Yeah, it has grown. So, um, yeah, it, like it has grown exponentially, which is brilliant, which I'm delighted about. But at the same time, I remember when you were, when we had this conversation last time, you were like, so where do you want to be in a year's time? And I said to you exactly where I am now. Um, cause I just was at the end of my collar. There wasn't much more that I physically could do, do you know, it's, um, 
I, I had no idea it was going to be as successful as it is, or I had no plans for it to be, you know, to, had I known, I suppose, how much of my time would be involved in it, I probably would have rethought it. But um, that aside, I'm, you know, it's, I'm proud as like where, where pride, I'm a proud business owner. I'm proud of the business. Um, but it has, it, we've had to kind of pivot a bit. We've had to um, call in help much earlier than I would have thought. Like we have, uh, we haven't like outsourced, obviously Julie works with us, um, but I had to kind of hire expertise um, so to take some of that uh basically the bits that I am really bad at um mm-hmm. we hired very early on um and it's worked because like you know yourself social media now is just huge for businesses Instagram's huge for businesses TikTok everything so we have a girl who specifically does all of that so I don't actually at the moment even have access to Instagram like I don't I just don't go there because yeah. it's that, that's a whole side of the business. Like obviously we work really closely together. We film by three times a week. We meet up, we chat, we like put plans in place for all of that. But Julie solely runs the social side of the business. And that's a huge amount of work that I don't have to do. Um, yeah. And at the very beginning, like I was starting to do that myself, but it just from very early on, I knew how big it was and that my time and our resources would be well spent in giving that to a professional basically how far in did you get that support and what other support did you hire in the business julie was number one she was straight in and then we had um some help with fulfilling orders just because it started basically at the kitchen table and myself and ron and my husband were up until like 12 one o'clock at night like getting orders out I think our first weekend, like those two days, maybe we did about 300 orders and um, maybe more actually. And it was, you know, like a lot of the stuff could be plates, glasses, like, so it just takes yeah. so long to all like, happen. It all. it's not something that we could give to a fulfillment company. We have too many SKUs. We've, um, so it's something that has to be done in-house. So then we moved to a warehouse, which was brilliant. We had way more space. Um so uh, that was great. But then a lot of my time was then spent just packing orders. And that was all my time. That was, yeah. you know, so it was, I was then being pulled into that when and I was losing kind of the time to create and to get more and to source and to spend time with the, you know, suppliers and stuff. So we quickly then hired somebody to help fulfilling orders. Mm-hmm. Um so we still have somebody helping fulfilling orders. We still have Julie. And as of next week, we've hired our first full-time person to help me with the admin side of the business. So, yeah. Fantastic. Great. Yeah, great. yeah, really good. And you've also opened a permanent space well, a pop-up yeah. space. It's a permanent, it's permanently it's there. Actually, it's actually our so it's basically our HQ is what we call it. So yeah. um, we still have a warehouse where all our goods come in. Um, just because like we could seven pallets could arrive. And so it's handy just to have the storage unit just for that, that everything comes in. Um, but our head office is basically in the head office, is a little cottage, it's around the corner from my house, so it's very accessible for me. Um, and in it, so we quickly realized that even though we're an online business, we were every now and again, we were doing pop-ups, but for us to do a pop-up, it was physically 
Um, people like people wanted to touch it, fabrics, mm-hmm. you know, people, lo- lo- people love pop ups. So, um, but we were spent like the amount of time and effort that went in to set up the pop up. So, we were renting a space, say, above a restaurant or a big room or whatever for a weekend, but like to move the lampshades, we were hiring vans to move all the yeah. plates, to set up the tables. It was just physically like, re- like a lot of work. So, we decided to try and find a space that we could have a showroom as such and that we could open to the public and have our own kind of pop-up like way easier and much more accessible and uh, just a much more uh, much smoother process so we found the cottage we renovated it last summer and um, so in it we have our an office uh, we have a storage unit we have a packing room and then we have a fab big showroom and it has been honestly like it was an expense uh, but probably the best the best decision we ever made because mm-hmm. we can pop up whenever suits us we're yeah. now um actually inviting people in to join us for pop-ups which is really good yeah. uh it just gives people more you know another offering so we had um Cahill creations like with all her easter treats and her bakes and we did wreaths by l we had uh, a gorgeous lady who does these beautiful wreaths so we've kind of found people that kind of suit you know, yeah. who are good uh, mix with us. And so we invite them for pop-ups too. And they've just been such a huge success. Hoping now, because it is something that we're asked like daily. When's the next uh, one? When's the next? when's the next one? When's the next one? Yeah. So we're kind of hoping maybe the aim would be uh, now that we have uh, actually the girl who's joining us called Elizabeth. Maybe when she joins us now, we'll be able to say, look, we're going to open every Thursday. Um so something like that but the pop-ups are I'd say people are ready to kill me because uh, we just do I just do everything that suits me so the pop-ups are only from like half nine till two o'clock because then I have to go and do the school run and um but it's all hands on deck for them and they they've all just been brilliant so yeah. it's, it's good but pop-ups definitely I would never having spent so many of my years with retail like I think in Fran and Jane we had Maybe 200 people working with us, maybe 22 stores and concessions at one stage. And I just swore to myself that I would never, ever do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of on my, at the very start when I was doing out my business plan, it was one thing that was like, it just in highlighted, just, it just was so destroying for me. I just don't like retail. Uh, so doing this is just so much easier. It's a bit of a happy medium because you get, you get to still talk to customers. You get to, they get to feel the product. I know it's only Dublin, it's only a Dublin pop-up at the moment. It's a Dublin yeah. premises at the moment. So you yeah. have to be in Dublin, but um, you know, you just, you don't have the headache of the whole managing a whole suite of staff and, you know, in terms of shop floor staff and yeah. lords and, you know, a whole load of, a whole load of them. And, and that yeah. Kind of, yeah. And, so you, and also when the pop-ups are on as well, like the girls, if it was quiet for, you know, an hour or something, we could still be fulfilling orders from online yeah. and it just kind of works, you know? Yeah. And it's that flexibility in that, in that space. And yeah. what do you feel has been your busy, biggest success so far? I do think the like the pop-ups are amazing. Um, so I do think getting, you know, setting up the cottage and just having everything under one roof and just, um, I suppose, you know, the, the business is growing, um, but we're our, still our primary focus at the moment is like we are reining it in, like we've turned down a lot of opportunities um, and it's primarily because we just want to streamline the process at the moment, get the process as uh, clean and efficient as possible before we grow any further because 
it's just, you know, I think, I think that's really important. Um, so I think definitely our big success is having the cottage space um, mm. and being able to do our pop-ups when they suit us and having everything under one roof. I definitely think that has worked. Um, there's a few things that we've, it, it, like it's quite nice having such a small business that we're able to kind of pivot as we need to um so you know we have been faced with some challenges at times like sales um you know at certain periods uh especially recently um like our what are we we're up we're up about 15 percent this year on last year um we had hoped be up more than that but at the same time um it's I think it's been a challenging year um for for a lot of people um but being able to just kind of keep things really tight we're not answerable to anybody we're not you know it, I think that has been that's really stood to us so I, I think the cottage and what do you think in terms of things that haven't worked um or that you know is there anything that you feel I know you talked there about challenges and sometimes from a sales point of view but you've you've managed to work your way around that and, and do different things what do you feel hasn't worked or you're like you know that's been a bit disappointing for you or has there been anything that comes to mind not really I think we're lucky in that um we're not dealing with huge quantities we never mm-hmm. have we never have like a huge amount of stock like people are I know myself like I am honestly I, I'm the worst shopper in the world like even though we're slow fashion everything is um very slow paced um we're trying to make everything as ethical at the moment as possible and sustainable um but it's um people still want new all the time yeah I'm exactly the same like I buy something and then I'm like okay what's next um and I think being able being able to uh manage that and uh like buy in accordingly to that and that keep being able to keep our quantities tight has really stood to us because we're never left with anything really you know towards yeah. maybe even it's Christmas or the end of Easter or that kind of thing you'll have a bit of seasonal decoration but like not much mm-hmm. um so I think that is standing to us at the moment. Like I wouldn't want to have to be stuck into huge minimum quantities at the moment. Um, so I, th- I think that is definitely one of our um, one of our like Strength. key strengths at the minute. Yeah. What kind of quantities are you buying? So it depends. Like our fashion would be much bigger. Like um, when I say much bigger, like we could have, say in our pyjamas, for instance, like we could order maybe 200 pyjamas at a go. Um, and like when they sell out, then we can just pick another fabric and yeah. do it, you know, and buy back into it. But like we could do as few as 20 or something or even yeah. on stack of plates, like we could order 10 in a colour or that kind of thing, yeah. you know, so it's, it's tight. So that's really standing to us. And is that in terms of from a strategy, that was something that you had planned from the beginning in terms of what you wanted, that consistent newness. Yeah. And, yeah. And I noticed with your web, you clear as you go then as well, you'll do the odd sale, you'll do the clearance items. You know, you generally launch your seasonal stuff quite early into the season or before the season started. You know, yeah. do you find yeah. that that is people are buying it as soon as it launched, they want it there? Yeah. Yeah, honestly, people are, especially for Christmas, like we don't want Christmas like before Halloween. Um, and, it, you know, uh, like everybody gives people such stick for doing that, uh, but it works. Like, and it gives you, just, it gives you, it's such a short season. They're so tight. Yeah. So it just gives you more time to either buy back into it if you need to, 
um, or uh, it just gives the stock more time to sell. You're obviously then we're left with less at the end. We have an ongoing outlet um, on the site as well. So we try not to go into like sale um, per se. We do like little okay. kind of offers here and there. Yeah. But um, having the outlet is brilliant. It's just, yeah. it's another page on the site. It's really easy to run. Um, something that maybe we've bought too much of or um, is slower or whatever, we just pop it in there and it just clears it. So it's, it's really handy. And your email marketing is very strong. And I think it's something that a lot of business owners, particularly sometimes in the early days, ignore a little bit or don't really talk to their customer as much as what you do. And what I think a lot of them, what it's what it's great, I think, I mean, I'm on your I'm on your list and I and I see those emails coming through and sometimes they're sales emails some, in terms of this is what we've got new is what I mean by sales email. Sometimes yeah. this is on offer. Sometimes yeah. it's just a hi, check this out or like your yeah. recent um your recent trip to India, which we'll talk about in a minute. What's your, you know, how often are you emailing out? What kind of return have you seen from that email marketing? Our email marketing is bigger than Instagram now. Um, so our, so basically it was Louise from Lulery actually said to me, I remember it was Christmas. Um, so I think it was actually possibly before we launched, it might have been that Christmas. I just remember I was out for dinner with her for Chris, uh, for Christmas and I remember her, her words like ringing my ears so clearly. She said, if anything ever happened to Instagram, if Instagram disappears, you've lost all of your customer base. So she was like, build on your emails because you own them. Like you own those email addresses that, you know, you uh, you have that, that customer then. Um, so just from the moment that she said that, I was like, okay, we need to, that makes complete sense. It just sat with me. Um, so basically at the start of the month, Julie and I will meet and we plan out. Uh, so we, our Friday favorites are really uh, really strong for us on Instagram. Um, so we do those every Friday. And as we do them, we link in the email. Um, so we basically put a plan in place. We put as much effort into our email plans as we would into our Instagram um, social media strategies. So um, I keep saying Instagram, by the way, YouTube is really big for us. Um, our, like we do, we feel, you know, it's, it's tricky enough because you can't film the same way for YouTube as you can for Instagram stories and whatever. But um, so we plan YouTube in there as well. And then TikTok has grown as well for us. Um, so, yeah, so it's all important. And the other thing about, I think, your email customers is we like to give them probably more offers. We give them, we give yeah. them, we kind of treat them like our VIPs. Um, so if you're like, there's quite often that we'll do a promotion or something, but it's only for our email customers. We won't mention it on Instagram. We won't mention it anywhere yeah. else. Um, so I think that's, a, it's a good way of, um, I suppose looking after them and, you know, like we really appreciate people who sign up to our emails. And I know from your background, you will have, you've worked in retail, which is, and planning for quite far in advance and quite structured. How do you bring that into this this role this position you know your business how do you bring that structure that you've learned like what does it you said you met with Julie from the social media side of things how do you bring that in you know how far in advance are you planning what it's are actually, you like don't get me wrong like we aren't that structured like we saw Julie and I were both moms and there's quite often situations thrown and spanners and like it's someone sick or you know so um we do quite often have to react um to situations and uh and also we like 
you know, we miss things or something we'll jump, we jump on things as they come as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're both super flexible, which is brilliant. Uh, so, you know, if some, if I don't know, we can jump on a trend very quickly, um, uh, which we do. But uh, I think for, I suppose, from my perspective, from a buying point of view, like it's born, like it's, it's in me that I have to plan. So um, it like Christmas is, is bought now. Um, uh, yeah. All, like all autumn winter. So we, we're just, it's not, we're not a year in advance, like at all, but you know, yeah. we're, a good, we're a good season ahead of ourselves uh, with planning. And uh, we have, we just have a calendar that we follow and we have, you know, and it's amazing actually in our second year of business, being able to have last year uh, to reflect back on, see what we did, follow the trends from that, see how early did we start something? Could we have done that better? So like our lessons learned, Nicole. <laughs> um, so it, like having all of that is, you know, invaluable having a, a previous year, whereas last year we were completely blind. Um, we, you know, we made so many mistakes, but we managed to, I don't know, we just managed to wangle our way through the first year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is, is wholesale on the cards for you with the, with the wholesaling um so our wholesale has kicked off and actually our biggest market at the moment for wholesale is the u.s Amazing. um how did that yeah. happen so we started wholesaling uh we set up a, a b2b site on the website and um, that was primarily for irish and uk customers um we've got a couple of italian customers here in greece uh portugal um, and then we were constantly being asked or approached by U.S. companies. Um, and we just found it was like just doing all your commercial invoices, getting all your paperwork together for them. was ju- We just didn't have the man hours to do it. So we started selling on fair yeah. for, um, primarily for our U.S. customers uh, because they take away. Now, it's. Fair is brilliant, but like it is so expensive. It absolutely hemorrhages into your uh, margin. So you like there's not a huge amount of product that we can actually sell there. Um, but the some products we can, some we're not actually making anything on. But it's good to kind of start, you know, um, building up on it. And it is something that we're going to focus more on to try um, and just increase our margin slightly um, for to for that for that reason. But it's brilliant. Fair is really, really good. I just wish it wasn't as expensive as yeah. it is. So yeah. for people that are listening, if they, so Fair is an online marketplace where buyers that are interested in all different types of products can go and buy. But if you are selling on Fair and it's a Fair customer and it's not your customer that you brought to the website, you pay 25% commission. But if it's yeah. a if a customer approaches you and you give them a link, as far as I understand, then you yeah. don't pay the commission. So 15%. 15%. Well, I think that's yeah. something that you sometimes they might and do. Yeah. And then I think if you're a key, um, if you're a key online uh, seller and they're a key, so if they pay a prescription and we pay a prescription, then there's, there's way, like there's different things that work. Like, so then they, they fair will pay your shipping. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, there are different ways. And then if they're a returning customer, then it's 15%. They have to be a returning customer within 30 days. Oh, yeah, um, so quite a lot yeah. of 
tape or like um, conditions. Yeah, there is. But all of that said, um, it's given us uh, a step into the US market, which let's face it, would be virtually impossible without (laughs) doing it on your own, you know, or like you'd have to be going to shows and um, yeah, just don't want to be doing those yet either. And I know it might might be a premature question, but in terms of would you want investment in the business to help grow it further? You want to keep it to yourself? I just, I don't know what, I don't think I'd sleep at night with investments. Like so many people, again, have suggested that to us, you know, and like get more people involved and grow it. And even my dad is like, I'll invest in the company. I'm like, no, no, no. I I just, I I don't know. Maybe it's really naive of me. Maybe it's, but I I just feel like I have more control. Um, I probably am. the whole, like my whole thing is trying to keep this business as stress free as possible. Mm. Uh, I don't work well under stress, and I feel that having investment for somebody would just be a weight on my shoulders that I just don't want. Yeah. Um, that said, if I took it, we would probably be, you know, a whole lot further on than we are. Um, but I'm okay with that. You only answer to yourself now. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You get yeah. investors on board and you you answer to them. You know, they have yeah. they have the option if they want to to pull a plug. You know, I'm sure there'd be conditions yeah. in place. But mm-hmm. I, I do agree with you in terms of the stage that you're at and where you where you feel and how you want to be and how you want to live your life and and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just like you know, I I think if investor, investors were involved, um, and even if the business was like so much bigger than it is now, like my life would be so much more different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I think at the moment, the balance is what's really important uh, to me. Um, and, you know, I, I think a few years ago, I had a, a, like a, a health nightmare. Um, and in that time, I just kind of reevaluated what's important. And um, I, I just, I think the balance is definitely what ticks my box. It makes me enjoy the business more. Um, like I love what I do I absolutely love it um it excites me um I get such a kick from it such a buzz from the sales and everything and I just feel that if it wasn't under my terms um the yeah I, it would just be it would just be too stressful I just couldn't I just wouldn't be into it as much yeah and um talking about balance you are like you mentioned a mom of three yeah and you're a busy business owner how do you balance the two probably the most asked question I get like honestly walking down the street if somebody like <laughs> sees me and I'm like oh I bought something from your website or whatever just quick question like how do you do it all um and I don't is the answer I don't do it all um we don't have any help at home but I'm in the position where my kids are at that age where they're that little bit older so Toby, mm-hmm. I don't have my first pickup from school is 245 so I basically do, I work from nine until 2.30 every day. Um, yeah. And like, sorry, when I say I do that, like then I have three mornings um, that like one morning I do my Pilates, uh, another morning I, I get my hair blue dried, <laughs> another morning, but like I'm in there on my, you know, on my phone working away. You'd actually be surprised about how much you can get done in hairdressers. I know, um, I always bring my laptop. I know, it's brilliant. And uh, then I I actually, I go to a counsellor every Thursday morning, mm-hmm. my non-negotiable. He's like a life coach. We discuss business, we discuss kids, we discuss relationships, we discuss he kind of keeps me with my feet firmly on the ground. Um, so there are times where I get completely overwhelmed. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm not, um, 
I'm, 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 I don't have a secret to, I, I definitely don't do it all is the answer. Yeah. Um, and I do get overwhelmed and I do get stressed and tired. Um, but I do think talking to somebody yeah. every week hugely helps. Yeah. Um, it really, really does. It just, uh, I'd highly recommend it for anybody that doesn't speak to anybody. Um, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, it, I'm lucky in that I find somebody that I really click with. Um, like he's nearly like a mentor. Uh, he's just so good at advice. Um, but I do try and get my exercise in. Um, and then I turn into mom mode then from 2.30 um, and just, you know, yourself, like all the extracurricular activities and I just like a lunatic. And then come the evening, they will go to bed. And that's when I do kind of my more creative stuff. I'm, be- I'm more creative in the evening. I don't know why, but um, I love nothing more than sitting down and like filling in like all my spreadsheets and what I bought and just like tidying everything up and um, doing all of that. So I do that then in the evening, but that's not like work to me. That's like the best bit. That's the bit I absolutely love. Whereas during the day, it's all admin. It's like just getting through emails and, you know, it's like, it's full on customer um service is huge as well like we get so many customer emails and the girls are busy fulfilling orders so you know and then it's so I I tend to do a lot of that as well um but it's good it's it's we're getting like I'm constantly working on the balance constantly like I don't know rejigging it um for the last couple of weeks I got an ice bath in my back garden (laughs) so I get up in the morning um at about six and I hop in there for five minutes. I think that's brilliant. Then uh, do a bit of meditation and yeah, just have that and a, and a coffee, obviously. Yeah. Um, but those trying to grab those kind of half an hour to myself to do something for me um, yeah. definitely helps. I think that's key. That yeah. morning, that morning habit, try and just have some time before the kids crawl in on you or, you know. Yeah, before yeah. they can't yeah. find their hockey from there. Yeah. Yeah. you know it's just key and I think as like you mentioned is you had a health scare a couple of years ago which which we talked about in the first episode um and but just to highlight that a little bit more in terms of what you had to go through yeah so I was diagnosed with um the BRCA1 gene so um I was pregnant with Toby at the time when I found out that there wasn't much I could do for the first nine months um but when he was 10 weeks old, then I had a full hysterectomy, my ovaries, oophorectomy, um, fallopian tubes, womb, everything removed, which put me into surgical menopause. And for the first, I'd say six, maybe nine months, I didn't have, I didn't take any medication. So like no HRT or anything. And I was a fuzzy mess is the only words that mm. I can describe that period. It was awful. It was really, really awful. Um, but anyway, managed that. And then, uh, when Toby was walking, uh, so he was about one, then I had a double mastectomy. Um, it's so funny, Nicole, like even saying that now, I'm like, I say it with such ease. Like it was just a, oh yeah, you know, but, um, that time was so challenging. Like I cannot explain to you how tough it was. And I opened up my Instagram um, to share the journey because you couldn't find anyone who'd been through anything similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read horror stories is the only words for it. So I just was adamant that my quality of life was not going to be 
um, destroyed after this and was on a mission to like that I was going to be the one that was going to change it all and I was going to prove to people that like it isn't as bad as it seems and um, so I opened up my Instagram for that reason and shared my journey and the amount of people I'd say nearly everybody who has BRAC in Ireland I'd say has been on to me at some point and then I did the podcast with Georgie Crawford on the Good Glow sharing the story and um, it was brilliant like I'm delighted that I did it but uh, was it last summer then uh, at the end of last summer I had to turn off kind of my notifications on Instagram um, or my you know my DMs because I'm that type of person that just, I give a hundred percent to everything I do. And so for every message that I got, you know, I was, I felt like I was kind of counseling people through it and yeah. it was, I was draining myself. Um, but I've actually just been asked to be the uh, brand ambassador for Marie Keating Foundation this year. So I'm going to get stuck into that now. Yeah. So I feel like that would be a way of maybe just kind of keeping in contact with those people and stuff. But yeah, it was a journey and um, it like I couldn't have, you know, my family and friends, every, like my husband, everybody, my mom, everyone was just amazing and everyone rallied around and I got through it. But what I often say, just in case anyone is listening to this and has been diagnosed with BRCA, it's the initial initial stage is the worst like it's the build up to the operations it's the, the decision making the waiting all of that is an absolute mental just melee like it does get easier like it does mm-hmm. like now I barely think about it which is just yeah. wild thanks wild. when how long ago was that now um so Toby's four so it was three years mm-hmm. since my double mastectomy and four years since my hysterectomy mm-hmm. and how other than the Pilates and the exercise and time for you are there any other ways that you were like keep yourself mentally well and and well in terms of from a that balance side of things that we talked about yeah I definitely find meditation works for me um I try and meditate every day even if it's like five minutes I find the ice baths really good for me um I read a lot a lot so I don't watch any tv um I've no interest really like I I mean I watch that white lotus thing or whatever but it just doesn't switch off it doesn't um like if I watched white lotus my husband was ready to kill me I kept pressing pause because I was like taking pictures of like the I don't know like a chair or I'd see a print on something or her dress I was like go back go back press pause you know so he's like forget it um so yeah I just can't switch off I just look at all I watch if I watch tv like it's like Instagram for me I don't follow anyone on Instagram anymore like any kind of influencers I just follow inspirational sites so I use like Instagram and tv is the same kind of way so I just use it for inspiration I don't actually enjoy like what the story I don't even listen to the story I just (laughs) whereas it for me yeah yeah you want from an inspiration and from the yeah. reading side of things is that just fiction non-fiction you know oh, you so I kind of do fiction for maybe two in a row and then I do like uh self-help or uh yeah, you know yeah. something or a business book um you know just something that would be educational as opposed to yeah, yeah. And I think that's key as well, because a lot of business owners will say, oh, I don't have the time to do that, or I don't have the time to do that. But if you've got the time to scroll on Netflix, if you or scroll on Instagram for hours, if you've got the time to sit down and watch a box set, you know, one after the other, after yeah. the other then you do have time. And I know everyone has their escape, but it's about what are your priorities and, and protecting yourself as well. Um, you mentioned there about inspiration ideas, and you've just recently come back from India. 
oh. it's just like a beautiful, amazing trip. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh my God, it was amazing. So I suppose because we were in lockdown when I started the business um, and the build up to it, um, I it actually stood to me, do you know that, with our suppliers because I built a relationship that was much deeper, I think, than a relationship that I would have had had I had we not been in lockdown so it became much more personal with uh our suppliers like one of our uh one of our suppliers is like I would consider him a friend now but I was on FaceTime to them all the time Mm -hmm. so we were both at home and you know kids were running in and out and it was all very personal you know um so I think the relationships actually built uh they were just it just built a much stronger relationship with them so going to India and actually getting to meet them all was just amazing um there was something that I was probably struggling with from a from a business perspective which I talked to my counselor about on a on a Thursday morning recently is that my biggest struggle with the business was previously to my trip to India was that I felt like okay, my business is doing well and it's great, but I feel like it's not really doing much for others. And it's something that I, I don't know, I think if I was to come back again, I'd probably, I don't know, I'd work for UNICEF or I just quite enjoy kind of charity work. And I used like I used to go to Lourdes every year when I was younger with the Dublin Lost awesome Pilgrimage um, and actually signed back up. I'm going this September again, but uh, I, I just like that kind of side of life. Um so it was something that I was struggling with that my business wasn't doing enough. So for the month of October, we give a percentage of everything that's sold pink to breast cancer. And we try and do like little things that will give back. Um, but when I went to India and when we met the artisans and we saw how special the whole process was. And um, so one of our suppliers basically deals with 25 arts, artisan families. And she only deals with families that are run by the women. So she's all about empowering women in business. Um, like she pays the women and the like the husbands work for them, but um, she pays the uh, woman in the house and then she kind of divvies out. Uh, the other thing that they do is they make sure that any children in the house are educated and they all go to school. Um, and then the older ones. So one house that we went to in particular, she had two sons Um she has a daughter as well. Her daughter is married and uh, has left the house, but her two sons are 15 and 17 and they both are learning the trade and mm-hmm. learning how to print, but they go to school and then they do that in the afternoon. And her and her husband are there full time. They have like a block printing room, which is attached to their house. So afterwards I said, look, maybe we could give, like it was a very, it was very humbling. It was beautiful. It was so calm. They were so gorgeous. Um, we had such a laugh as well. We were there for hours, like block printing with them. Um, and I said to our suppliers who kind of run the, um, r- r- our oversee the family, say, um, maybe we should give a percentage of our sales back to them. And they said to me, which I just thought was amazing. They were like, Laura, absolutely no need to do that your support for them is what's keeping this industry alive they are so grateful for your business all you need to do is to keep the orders coming and to grow as much as you can to keep keep them going yes that just sat with me I was like you know what now I feel like I have a responsibility like these people are incredible they need my business um and it's just that in itself has given me a bit of a pep in my step um 
so I loved that. I just loved that. Um, and I loved that it was all about the empowerment of women and everything. It was just amazing. And um, it's, you know, they, they just run it so well. Like it's so charitable. It's so gorgeous. Um, they were so like, they were so grateful to me, which I just, you know, we just basically stood there thanking each other, like for, you know, from a, from a mom to a mom, it was just wonderful. Um, but besides all of that, like that experience in itself was incredible. Like myself and Julie were nearly crying when we were leaving and saying goodbye. Yeah. Um, but just the inspiration in Indian itself, like we went to Villa Palladio and we went to Bar Palladio um and just all the palaces we took one day where we just went off on this little vintage pink car with you know all the um the upholstery inside was all made of block prints and it was just amazing getting to see I, I haven't been to India in nine years yeah but the last time I was there was nine years ago and it's come on in leaps and bounds like the we were at well we were in Jaipur which is obviously a bit quieter compared to Mumbai and Delhi anyway but um, it is, it was just, it was, it was, it was amazing. The only thing though, the only thing that really got me was the rubbish. I know. Yeah. Like, so, it, and I, yeah, I just have a mate, like I have, I have my kids now banned from using single use plastic and I, you know, so a lot of our stuff would have come in in plastics. So now we're just like absolutely no plastic. We're trying to be completely plastic free. Um, so we were actually paying a premium price on our tablecloths because they have to come in. A, so we're doing a, it's a biodegradable um, package mm-hmm. as opposed to plastics. So we're using that. Um, but yeah, that was something that really was quite disturbing. Um, I, I, it just made no sense to me. I was coming home and I was like, we just invested in a fully electric car. And here I am like plugging in my car and I'm like rinsing out a yogurt pot and putting it into the recycling. And I was like, what, you know, like anyway it's probably a, a podcast in itself <laughs> but uh, I think it's just important maybe that you know we all do our bit I yeah. think uh everybody has to do you know try hard to do something for the environment um so we're even our packaging now we've never really invested heavily in branded packaging anyway it's something that always I'm so many people are so into it and beautiful packaging and all of that. I'm not, I'm that person that if I order something from that a poor day, I'm like, just send it in a, you know, I don't need any, because it just goes straight in the bin. I don't keep any boxes or anything. So um, we just branded our tape. So we just have brown boxes and we, you know, our tape is branded, our tissue, we just use a sticker. We just use white tissue. Um, but we, but it still looks pretty. Like our boxes, yeah. and packages still, look, you know, a lot of attention goes into them being packed. But um, now I was just saying, there, like, even stuff that comes in in boxes, we're going to reuse those boxes and send them back out again because it's just seems it just seems mad. So if you get a box with, I don't know, like we use Greengate for uh, a supplier, um, one of our suppliers, Greengate, and for our plates and things some of our plates come from them um and i was just saying like we'll just resend out that green gate box it doesn't matter like yeah, you yeah. know it's what's inside that matters and it's the the product and the quality and all of that so um yeah definitely trying to reuse and try and reduce our waste as much as possible um that has been a big takeaway from india and just on suppliers then because obviously key to the success of a lot of businesses is suppliers that you work with yeah how did you find the right ones for you? So we've made a few mistakes. Um, it, like it obviously was extremely difficult without being able to go to any shows yeah. to try and find suppliers. But basically just 
it like it was I, I mean I say hours it was months and months and months of just research and research and research to try and find the right people and then we did FaceTimes uh, over and over again factory visits through FaceTime with these people and I suppose through kind of lengthy conversations with them and a visual on where they were working and what the you know what their um, setup was like we then placed a small order check. It was like, so it was a very, very, very slow process. Um, and then the ones that worked, obviously we've, we've grown hugely with them mm-hmm. um, and expanded the kind of collections with them. So originally we just had one, sorry, two suppliers that were doing solely homeware and one supplier that was doing solely fashion. And now, you know, we're, we're mixing them up a good bit. Uh, being able to get to uh, where did I go there uh, recently to Hindex, Um We found a new supplier there. So that was great. Uh, so we went to see them when we were in Jaipur um, and that was fantastic. So we've got our first order in with them, which is actually huge. So hoping that goes well, but it is like any business, even previously, like you do make mistakes. Like we made one kind of bad mistake um, and we got badly stung and lost quite a bit of money mm-hmm. um but it was inevitable I guess to at the very start without being able to get there you know um but with the one bad supplier we have now probably five or six amazing ones so yeah. um but it was just research like google um on to you know go on to the fair sites go through the list of exhibitors yeah. like a lot of work a lot of work <laughs> Um, I had um, a girl called Sarah Collins who deals with ethical production and she mentioned, and I had not thought about it before, but the WTO, the World Trade, oh no. Organization, yeah. Yeah, and that they list different places or, you know, organizations that you can get in touch that would be over the artisans in terms of coordinating them and and that side of things as well. contacted them for um, this uh, group of women in... uh, South America I think they were in are they in Mexico can't even remember um but it didn't actually work out but it was through that uh it didn't work out we never got we never got um never got too far down the line with it actually but it seems like an amazing idea I think we maybe just weren't lucky and then I'm so impatient that I never pursued it uh, but it is something that I'd love to get back into. Like the artisan community in South America is absolutely amazing as well. And it is something that I definitely want to um, dive into more. It's just, I, I'm hoping, God, this poor girl, Elizabeth, if she's watching this, <laughs> I'm hoping that when she starts, I'm going to have a bit more time in my hands to be able to do these things. You know, yeah. like even on wholesale, like we don't put any effort into that. Um, it needs more, you know, we need to be kind of probably reaching out to more people and stuff. But um yeah, it's and actually wholesale has changed so much now with platforms like being able to have a B2B on your site. And yeah. again, like I suppose from previous experiences, like wholesale to, in my eyes was always being at a show and showing and um like and always chasing pe- people for money. And you know, it's always been like I have quite a negative kind of uh feeling and um history around wholesale. Um so it was actually my husband that forced me into doing it, but he was like, it's different now. You know, it's basically like you can, you can wholesale the same way that you can B2B sell, you know, you know, or B2C sell, I should yeah. say. 
So, um, so that's the process we've gone down and it's working and it's kind of, again, it suits me. It's, you know, it's, it, they pay up front. The yeah. are You're not having to spend three days at a show and invest in a stand that's going to cost you three grand. And I think that's really key for people that are listening. You can do wholesale in easy ways, you know, yeah. that it doesn't have to be the show, the trade fair, you know, no. and, and you know, like, and we always would have given people credit, like wholesale companies credit and customers credit. And that doesn't, that, that, no. that, that doesn't exist. Um, so no, it's good. And I suppose our site, like our, you know, so much, so much of my time is spent on our site, um, on changing it all the time and developing it. And, uh, you know, I suppose if our customers are buying directly from that, then the wholesale can buy directly from that too. Like they don't need to, you know, and we try and avoid like seasons as such, you know, like we buy in seasonal decorations, but that's not stuff that we'd be wholesaling. Like any of our linens, basically are wholesale from lampshades they're not seasonal you know they just um, four collections that are there all year round are the ones that you wholesale and just a a last couple of questions for me your creative process I know you said you're you could see if you're on Instagram or you're you're on TV how do you come up with the ideas for the prints and and do you think do you decide more like oh it's this kind of color palette that I want or what's your process with that yeah so I suppose um the kind of main ones again are like seasonal seasonal is huge for us um so I suppose if if you're going by Easter like we have you know we stick with our palettes that are going to work with Easter but really with interiors interiors are you know it, it's quite easy because everybody kind of has the same, you know, the same kind of looks that we've like would always have a neutral sort of palette. Yeah, like yeah. we always keep our white uh, collection going all the time, just change it a bit. And then the prints like green is huge at the moment for us. So we're just kind of, we're buying heavy into green at the moment, whereas previously it was always blue. And, you know, so I, I suppose like the core line, they're kind of like core lines. And then we just, for seasonal, we kind of divvy out. Fashion's different now. Fashion is like, um, Fashion's funny for me because I've never really been one who loves trends. I don't jump on them myself anyway. So it's just a bit, like I just get inspiration from like beautiful print and then build the collection from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of our a lot of our prints are actually traditional Indian block prints. So there are some some of them that we're developing completely ourselves. So we're getting the blocks carved um, and they're totally exclusive to us. Mm-hmm. But a lot of prints like this dress that I'm wearing now, that's like an Indian block print. Like yeah. that's not. So we would just change the colors and kind of mix it around that way. But we kind of work together with them. There's other uh, times where if we're really in desperate need of stock, I'll ask them what fabrics they have in stock and we can work on that. Um, so it, it, it really, really yeah. And we're really flexible as well. We're not like really set on certain collections. We just, if I see something I love, I just go with it. And what about those that are starting out or thinking of starting their own business? What would you say to them? What advice would you give? I think just do so much research at the start. Um, I think I was a year, probably full year on developing the site, finding the right suppliers, figuring out what I wanted it to look like. I think a lot of people starting up a new business um, start with something really small. So I don't think you can launch a website now with three or four products. I think it needs to be, if you're going to do it, do it right from mm-hmm. the start. Um you know, have it have a substantial amount of stuff there that people are going to be able to buy from. And, you know, our returning customers are like 
our returning customers are 50, I think 56% or maybe it's higher. God, I'm really bad at that sort of stuff. Um, that's where my husband comes in. <laughs> if he's here now, he'd be like shouting at me. Um, so I think that's important though, to, you know, to hold on to people um, and to just have, or if you're launching, just to have it substantial and have something new, like ready to, you know, yeah. you know to get people back. I think that's, I think a lot of people, and like the the days of seasons, I would say are gone, you know, like you don't have summer collections and winter collections and, you know, just have constant drops as opposed yeah. to uh, seasons. But no, I think go for it. Um, have a have a budget stick to your budget and just believe in it as well I think I was kind of lucky in that I had a slight platform on Instagram before I started I do think that helped because I had like not many followers like maybe 4,000 followers or something um but anything that I had ever posted previously from another brand people jumped on it, you know, so um, I kind of had that uh, security, I suppose, from them at the very beginning. Um, And then the other thing is to not um, forget about, which I think has been huge for growing our business is Google advertising. Tell me a little bit about that then in terms of what you're, did you start with that quite early on? Yeah, we started with that quite early on um, and it was brilliant for us it's super expensive but it works but it needs a lot of attention and it needs a lot of tweaking and so it's not something that you can just set up and let go you've got to really kind of work with it um move it around change it around but actually google and themselves will reach out to you once you start and talk to them you know because they obviously know what they're talking about (laughs) um and they're extremely helpful um so yeah that has been brilliant and seos and all that it's uh something that we outsourced at the very beginning um but we now manage it ourselves i say my poor husband like eight o'clock at night (laughs) he kind of liked that sort of thing so um so yeah no but it is it's brilliant it really works fantastic thank you so much laura where can people find you and find ellen h edit so our site is www.lnhedit.com and we're on Instagram, um, TikTok, YouTube, wherever. Great. And we'll put the, um, I'll put the links to those in the show notes. And what's next for you as a brand, if you can share, that you can share? I'm sure there's lots in the pipeline. But- so much in the pipeline. Um, we've got a fashion, fashion uh, launching really soon, which is super fab. We've gone all out for this summer so that'll be great and we have an exciting collaboration coming up very so, good say no more looking looking forward to see that so thank you so much for joining thank me you. today thanks nicole and i will be back again with another great guest and if you have enjoyed this episode then please leave a review it lets more people see and learn from the, the podcast and help them start and scale their own product business